Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host is a course creator who currently generates over $1 million a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. And just so you know, he is the world's biggest fan of the TV show Sons of Anarchy, having watched all seven seasons multiple times. Hashtag Team Jax Teller, Mr. Jonah Petrahilos. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we've got a very special guest on the line this week, all the way from Singapore. I believe she's our, our first guest from Singapore. A little bit about this person. She's a three times Amazon best-selling author. She's an email marketing strategist, and she's the Singapore, or she's known as the Singapore-based introvert leading the North American market. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ms. Mira Kothand. Mira, how are you? I am good, Jono. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Mira, I like to start all my podcasts with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? Oh, yes. Um, I actually have this quote within some of my books as well. So I am going to pull it up from my notepad. Okay, it, it, This is from the founder of um, Twitter, Bistone. It says, timing, perseverance, and 10 years of trying will eventually make you look like an overnight success. So yes, there's no such thing as an overnight success. I just love that quote. Yes. No, I agree with that 100%. It's the iceberg theory, right? And it's like in, in anything, you know, you look at the tip of the iceberg and you're like, oh, that's easy how that person yeah. did that. You know, I'm going to do the same. You know, and, you're you're... So, and you're so fixed on the highlight reel these days, but yeah. I agree. Well, Mira, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that um, you use a bit of a different lead magnet strategy to most entrepreneurs. Most of us, you know, post something on Facebook and opt in here and opt in there, but you, you do something slightly different. You generate leads and passive income through Amazon book sales. Is that correct? That, that's right. Um, and I actually didn't intend for it to become a lead generation tool, um, but it, it is just been, it's just so happened that it's working very well. And it has been doing so for past five, five years now. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's go for some numbers. How many books have you sold there, Mira? I've sold, I think, 80,000 and counting. Sorry, it cut out. Did you say eight thousand? Is all you said? 80,000, 80, 80, Yeah, eighty thousand in yeah, five I mean, years. This, I mean, this is not just from one book. I I have self published about I think nine books now okay. um, since twenty seventeen. So yeah, I mean, just to give some perspective, it's not all just from one book. It's just from a few different books. Yeah. Okay. And for anyone listening, if you're interested in self-publishing, Mira actually has a free course that gives you some tips and tricks around that. I'll put the link in the show notes or just go to mira.tips slash self-publishing. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you here, Mira. If you want to start where you want to start and just tell us your story uh, about how you, how you came to learn this strategy or how you came to implement this strategy. And then if you can tell us along the way, if there's any tips that you've got for, for anyone listening that can do the same. So I'm going to oh, ha hand it over to you. Where did this journey sort of start? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, self-publishing was something that I've been hearing about in the online space 
uh, where, you know, you, you don't have any sort of middleman, you don't have an agent, you don't have a publisher, you just do it yourself, you get it up on Amazon. So, um, and Amazon is just one platform. There are different platforms you can use to self-publish. You can do it on Barnes & Noble, Kobo, lots of different places. Uh, and um, my main strategy, my main thinking at that point, my intention was to have a revenue stream that was out of my site. So, you know, I'm the person who's trying to generate traffic, sending traffic to my site, to my funnels. But I was just had this thought, okay, what if someone else does the traffic generation for me? And for me, the, the, that thought was, okay, Amazon could do that. It has an immense marketplace of buyers. So if I put my book there, they would take care of the lead generation. I mean, they would take care of the traffic. I would just need to do a good job of writing a solid book. And um, so there was just kind of like a spur, um, you know, why not just give this a try? So my first book was The One Hour Content Plan. And this was back in 2017. And I had no intention of writing any other book after that. It was just one. I wanted to see how it would go. And um, the first one did exceptionally well. And um, apart I, from my email some, list. Some questions, Amir. So with that first book, can you give us maybe some some numbers? You know, how many sales did it make in the first year? And then what was the price point? What, what can you tell us sure. about that that first sure. one? So it was a $2.99 book, $2.99. And that's the typical, you know, book that you would see on uh, on Amazon. $2.99, $3.99. Is this like um, a Kindle ebook or? That's or? right. It was a okay, Kindle gotcha. ebook. I did have it on paperback um, as well. You did and, have um, paperback as well? Yeah, correct. So I, I launched both at the same time, the, gotcha. the ebook and the paperback. I uh-huh. honestly didn't think the paperback would, would sell very much because my idea was, okay, if someone could buy the ebook, why would they buy the paperback? Mm-hmm. But paperback sales are now my, they, they kind of surpass my ebook sales. Yeah, there we so, go. And this is specifically for people, I think, who are more familiar with my books. So they know the type of books I write. And I think they foresee themselves highlighting and taking notes and stuff yeah. like that. So these are the people who go and buy the paperback um, version of it. So I had both go out at the same time. It was a 2 dollars book. Um, and um, I realized that I started to attract people out of my list. Yeah. So within that, that just the first month that I launched, um, it, it's a little bit vague, the numbers, but I think I would have made easily 5,000 US dollars. Yeah. Of a $3 book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So it was a thousand of them more, 2000 of them, give or take. Easily. Easily. Yes. Wow. Okay. That that book really, really picked up. Um, and I didn't have ads or anything of that sort at that point in time, it was really just word of mouth, people telling people in Facebook groups and stuff like that. Um, so, so yes. And I think the good thing that I did Thank goodness for me. I had the, a little bit of foresight at that point in time. I didn't just stop at that book. My It was always, okay, from that book, what happens? How do I get that person into my world or my brand ecosystem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did have um, some kind of like a follow-up um, resource from for people who bought that book. Okay, so you have the book. You want some kind of like a workbook or something of that sort to guide you through it. Maybe a couple of trainings, then come over here to this landing page. And then is that is how they get into my world. So gotcha. So that's in the introduction or something, you know. Hey, by the way, go to this exactly. website. Gotcha. Correct. So I usually do it in the introduction. I do it at the end of the book. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I mean, obviously, not everyone would 
take me up on that. And this is a misconception that a lot of people have. People think that the moment you have someone who buys, Amazon is going to come up with this list of names and, hey, these are your buyers. Amazon doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. So it's completely up to you to figure out, all right, how do I get these people back? You you have to figure that pathway out. Um, Can I ask um, that question of of those, you know, 2,000 that you sold in that first month, how many actually became leads? Um, if you know, no, or even, have, even roughly if you know those stats, you know, buyer to lead. I would think maybe 40 to 50%. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Specifically yeah. that that book, um, it, it does very, very well because I think it's a pain point that a lot of people have, yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs have, and they really need help in that area. So, um, so yeah. So the moment they get in, I do have a series of emails that go out that kind of handhold them through the book. You know, help them kind of um, conceptualize, help them uh, take in that information and all of that. And for and this is not not just that book, but for any of my books, I think about whether there is any other relevant uh, program or, or, or content that they can take in from that step. So it's kind of like, all right, go through the sequence. After this, this is this would be right for you. You could try this. I have a program for this. And um, uh, the, the people who come and find me through Amazon, these have been one of my most loyal, I would say, subscribers, yeah. uh, people who buy from me repeatedly. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, so it's, 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 it's been pretty, pretty amazing in that way. And I never intended for it to be a lead generation tool. It was kind of like a secondary um, benefit that, that was kind of going on. Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. And then from there, it was repeat the process, was it? All right, cool. I do this with one book. Let me release another book and then get similar results. Or how, how did it work from there? Um, yeah, pretty pretty similar. And like I said, in for this book, the conversion from the book, you see, you're, you're still going to get book sales. That's that's relevant. That's something that's there. Um, it's whether you're going to be able to convert those people to other to buy your other content or, or your other programs or your courses and stuff like that. So what what really matters is you understand the pain points of the book, who is coming in, and whether you have something relevant. Um, for them to you know to to go on to so never what doesn't work is pushing something for to people who come in through a book and then there really isn't kind of alignment within the program yeah. that you're pitching yeah. and the book that they've read so i think that's where the misstep is um so for most of my books i have always been able to get people back onto into my world the the numbers differ book to book to book um uh, depending on the type of book i've written but um, but yeah, I, now this is really a part of my process. For every book that I write, I always think, okay, how can I get this person back into my world? Yeah. Um, and um, so I don't want to leave this as an afterthought because this is a mistake I've seen a lot of um, authors who self-publish do. They don't think about this, okay, my brand ecosystem, Amazon, how do I link it up? 
So yeah, now it's just a part of my process and it's kind of like second, you know, it's like the back of my hand. Okay, think, okay, done. Now what's the next thing? How do I incorporate it into my book? Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, cool. And so a couple of questions with that. So the first book, you know, 1,000, 2,000 sales off the first month, does that happen every month all the time? Or is that what happens when it first res- re- uh, comes out, then it's slowly less each month? How does that yeah. work? Yeah, good question. So no, um, it doesn't happen every single month. But the thing with Amazon is you don't want to have um, an massive number of sales the first one to two days and then zero after that amazon kind of um rewards you if you get consistent sales so even if it's like five every day or three every day you know it it wants consistent sales it doesn't want to have a huge spike and then a a drop so i mean yes those numbers are, are are great um and and typically for me whenever i launch you get that rush from your email list this first few days, but you also want to think about, okay, what am I going to do after that? Um, There there will be people within your email list who don't buy within those first few days. How are you going to reach them? So this could be via promoting via social media, um, embedding links within your older pieces of content, which others may still be stumbling on. Um, You can consider doing Amazon ads or Facebook ads, or, you know, when you are, able to get on other platforms like a summit or like a podcast like this and get an opportunity to talk about your books. So uh, don't think about those huge numbers. That's not what a goal should be for a self-published author. You should think about, okay, how am I going to get consistent sales every single day, even if it's a small number, because that gives a signal to the algorithm that, okay, people are interested. So let me show this book on their feet, you know, or, or let me show this book to someone else. And then that's where you're going to be popping up under others who read this, you know, are also interested in, and then your book is over, going to be over there. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, cool. So I think that strategy makes sense. There'll be people listening to it being like, all right, I'm interested. I write a book, you know, I put it on Amazon, make some dollars from Amazon, get people, get paid to get people on my list. I like the sound of that. Uh, what can we do, Mira, to make sure that the book actually sells on Amazon? Like, say someone's like, right, I put all this time and effort, you know, I put this book, put it on Amazon, and then nobody bought it ever. I would be heartbroken, you know. Have you got any tips you can give us there to make sure that it, it yeah. comes up on the algorithm and, and the Amazon feed and whatnot? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, John. Actually, one thing that I, I, I wanted to mention is think about, be very clear about your goal for going into self-publishing. So a lot of people are kind of like, oh, it looks nice. She's making this much. uh, And it's like passive income. I'm going to go ahead and do it. But they don't really think about the their real intention for doing so. So there are a few reasons why someone would want to get on Amazon. One is for me, was to create a separate revenue stream that was out of my sight. For others, it might just be like a credibility or authority kind of like a tool. So if let's say they do a lot of networking, they want to be able to go there and share this book and you know have a print copy and then give it out to their clients, something of that sort. Um, so for others, it's just like a business card. You know, they just want it there. They want to refer people. Um, let's say you have a really huge program, like $2,000, $3,000, but um, they want to have a lower priced version to give to others who may not be able to afford those programs. So the book could be that. So be very clear about your intention for going into Amazon, because based on your intention, the amount of money you spend 
on perhaps the cover, on perhaps an editor or a proofreader, all of this would vary. Because if you're not intending to make this um, so-called a separate revenue stream, then perhaps maybe you, you don't want to invest so much of money in it. So coming back to your question, what can you do to make your book sell is to, you know, first thing, think about what niche you're in, all right? Go ahead and look at the books in those niches. And, and this is something I do for every single book. I try to think, of, okay, if this is the book I'm thinking of writing, what is the compare the comparative or what's the alternative? Um, so, you know, you can think of it as competitors, you can think of it as alternatives, in whatever feels comfortable to you. I would always pick at least one to two books that are alternatives to what I'm writing. And then I would go back in and look at those three-star reviews. You know, don't look at the five, don't look at the one. The, I always find that the three-star reviews are the ones that are really honest because they want to like the book, but there are certain things that they, 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 they don't really like. So go ahead and take a look at these reviews and see what people are saying. And this is where you're going to find certain times they may say that, um, I wish it covered this, or it didn't talk about this. This is for these people, it's not for that people. So it'll give you an idea of how you can position your book. So do this before you even write the book. Now, I just want to take a minute and let everyone know, if you're a course creator, you've already got a course and it's not quite selling, uh, or if you're still in the process of putting your course together, at the course creator community, we actually have a VIP group coaching program. It's the best program of its kind and the most affordable as well. So if you'd like some extra help and guidance in either putting your course together or selling your online course, I recommend joining the course creator community VIP program. I'll put the links down in the show notes. So this is really, really goes down to researching what's out there, you know, and um, you may think that, all right, this book, um, there's, there are lots of courses out there on this book. So I'm going to go ahead and do this, but there might not really be a market for people who are looking for those topics on Amazon. So it's a, it's a pretty, it's a different thing. So we might think that, you know, course creation or, or creating a membership is huge in the online space. You might try to bring that on Amazon, but you might realize that there are not many books on this topic, you know? So, I'm, I mean, I'm just giving an example, but don't, don't think that that would be the same over here. Make sure you do your research on what people are looking out on Amazon. Um, so yeah, the first thing is look at alternatives, look at the three, three star reviews. The second thing is look at the covers because your cover is, you know, you're going to catch their attention with this tiny, tiny thumbnail and you want to make sure it pops out. So just because you think it looks fabulous doesn't mean it's going to look fabulous or, or at all. Sometimes I've seen the ugliest covers, um, get attention. So I, I've been really puzzled about this. Uh, and the only real way to do it right is to go and look at the covers out there, take uh, snapshots, screenshots, save it. Um, and um, when, and, I, and this is something I recommend, unless you're very tech savvy, don't design your cover yourself. And you don't need to get a hugely overpaid, you know, don't need to get a designer of that kind of a range. You don't need to pay 500 or $600 for a cover. But make sure it's a decent cover. You could get on Fiverr um, or there are lots of other sites there where you can get a book cover for $50 or $100. Um, and, and, and the main thing is when you're writing your design brief, don't just leave it to the designer. When you're writing your design brief, show them alternative covers that are of people within your niche. And then tell them, this is I, I want the cover to evoke this kind of a mood. 
if it's for perhaps you're only targeting a female audience, the cover would be pretty different. You know, perhaps you could include a little bit more feminine elements um, versus someone like me. I don't write just for a female audience. So it, my cover is a little bit different. So in your design brief, make sure you give them examples. That's one thing. So the third thing is obviously when you're writing your description, it's very much like writing copy for your sales pages, writing copy for your ads. You want it to grab attention. So um, I, I like to follow the PAS, so problem, oh, agitate, solution. Um, you know, it's a very common copywriting formula. So I like to kind of lead with the pain point, lead with the problem, get people to identify that, hey, yeah, I can kind of fit with this. This is what I'm struggling with. And then lead them into, okay, this is what the book covers. And then talking about a couple of bullet points before having a call to action. So very, very similar to writing a Facebook ad, writing a sales page, even writing any kind of your sales emails. Um, and I always like to have my book description written before I even start writing the books because it gives me an outline of, okay, this is what my book is about. Let me stay true to the promise of what I have outlined here. So a lot of people leave this to after, but this is something that I write always, always before I even write a single chapter. Um, so yeah, I mean, starting out, this is, this I would say is like the bare minimum you should do to continue to get sales, to have a solid cover, to go out there and actually look at your alternatives or your so-called competitors. And then the description, and, and this is where you can flex your, your um, copy skills a little bit, brush up on your copy skills a little bit. And, um, and, and this is basically what I do for every single book in and out. Gotcha. Okay. Question with that on the research side of things. I know on different platforms, there's different tools, you know, you can go on Google, for example, and use um, keywords everywhere, you know, and say, all right, X amount of people are searching for this, you know, on YouTube, you can go and use uh, TubeBuddy, you know, how many people on this, does Amazon have an equivalent, some sort of tool that you can check how many people are searching? Or do we just check the reviews and be like, all right, he's, you know, we're in the online course space. There's three popular books. They've got hundreds of reviews. It must be a bestseller or, you know, hold on. There's these books here, but there's no reviews in one buying them. How do we actually know what people are searching and what's popular? Yeah, that, that's a that's a good question. Amazon itself doesn't really have a tool, okay. but there are other sites that have specific tools for authors. Um, so the one of the tools I use is called Publisher Rocket. Um, it's done by um, Dave Chesson, who is the guy behind Kindlepreneur.com. So um, it, that, that's a massive site um, that has lots of resources for authors who want to self-publish. So when you go and use that tool, um, it's pretty similar to, you know, keywords everywhere and stuff like that. It's just that it's specific to the books on Amazon. Gotcha. And it would show you, okay, um, based on the keyword that you're typing out, okay, this is very competitive. Or, or gotcha. um, yeah, it will kind of show you in terms of, of like the, the numbers and stuff like that. So that is something that you can use. But if you don't really want to spend because that's a paid tool, then yeah, like, like you said, go and look at the reviews. Now, another thing you can look at is if you click on a book, you would be able to look at the, um, a, it's called ABSR or the Amazon bestsellers rank. So there would kind of like be a number if you look, if you click on a category within a book. And that number would give you uh, an idea of perhaps how many books are selling. Um, the lower the number, the better it is. So, you know, if you see something like 20,000 
uh, or 17,000, for instance. Sorry, what's what's this number, Mira? Just while, while I'm here, I'll, I'll even share my screen. The listeners won't be able to see, but just so we can get on the same page. You say I'm Okay, all right. Here. Okay, click on um, ratings. Click on ratings, if I'm not wrong. And then um, scroll up, Jono. Um, up again, up some more, up some more. This one. Ah, okay, can you see the number over there? Best sellers rank? Yeah. Yeah, so it shows oh, as 885. Can you see over there? 885 in books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that actually gives you a rate. Okay, so if it's 885, it's really, really good, which means it definitely sells, I, I don't know, more than 10, 20 copies a day. Yeah. So that is the number that gives you an indication of how well a book is doing. Can we, can we do some uh, some homework here and see? Is this just in Australia yeah. or is this in the world? Uh, no, it's everywhere. What's so, yours? okay, maybe go down to the one-hour content plan. You should be able to find oh, it. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. And click on ratings, oh. same place. I don't know whether you'll be able to find it just by scrolling down. Ah, there you go. Oh, here we go. Um, okay. 99,000. You should click on the ebook version. I think you're clicking on the paper. Oh, plan. okay. So yeah, yeah. Oh, so there's even a difference there. Correct, right? correct. It's, it's slightly different. So if you click on that, so there it shows you 50, that. 000. Correct. So preferably you want this to stay below 200,000, something of that sort. Gotcha. Um, and um, again, Kindle Printer is a, it's a great resource. So I think this is for the... This is specific to the Australian market, right? I, I think this, so, because I'm on doc. Uh, Amazon.au, yeah. So yeah. depending on where it is. So the US one would be a different... Uh, you're, you're beating Russell Brunson number. here, Mira. I clicked in the marketing one. You're beating Russell Brunson. <laughs> well yeah, done. So, so those numbers are, are, are really dynamic. It changes day to day. Yeah. And um, for me, my numbers are a lot better in the US store because that's my primary market. Yeah, but yeah, 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 that would give you an indicator of how well a book does um, and um, whether you should keep it as an alternative or not. And these are kind of indicators that you can use to figure out whether you want to write a book on that topic. That's a good little trick. Awesome. All right. Cool. That all makes sense. Um, all right. So let's say you've sold someone now, Mira. They're like, all right, I'm in. I want to do this, this book thing. How much um, time would it usually take someone to to write a book, say their first book, um, probably with and without guidance, right? If they were trying to do it on their own, how long would it take? If they had someone guiding them, how long would it take? And then also some of the expenses involved. You know, you've mentioned, okay, a couple hundred bucks on a book cover. Um, you know, do we need an editor? Like what sort of, um, yeah, time and money. What are, we, what are we looking at? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, when you're talking about, um, so- we're not talking about like um, huge novels, like fiction novels. Yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. for the non-fiction, non-fiction yeah. books. You want to write short books. Um, yeah. A couple hundred pages. Similar to, to, yeah, kind of similar to what I'm doing. You don't need to be beyond 25,000 words. Okay. Most of my books are about 20, 18, 20,000 words. And, and, how, and how many pages is that, would you say? It's about, I don't know, 160? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, something of that sort. So, um, yeah, mainly you want to keep to... No, actually, it's not. It's just 130 words. 130. So, okay. Yeah, so you want to keep it... You don't have to have write a very long book. And this really depends on how fast you can write. There are authors in the space. They write one book a month. I mean, I, I can't do that. I definitely yeah. can't do that. 
I need, I mean, they publish one every month. For me, I need at least three months from start to end. Um, for me, I need to sit with the book for a while, let it marinate and then get it out there. Uh, but um, you can actually get your draft, your, your completely dirty, terrible draft done in about, I would say, if you're going to do a sprint, which means that's the only thing you're going to focus on, I would yeah. say two weeks, yeah, two yeah. three weeks. And, yeah. and I'm kind of stretching it a little bit. You should be able to get it done. So don't edit as you write. Don't do anything of that sort. So very terrible, dirty draft. Get it done within two, two weeks, maximum a month. You can do that. So for you to have a, a, a proper, even if it's a terrible draft, you want it to kind of flow, you want to make sure you outline first. So always do your outline. So very simple structure, introduction. Are you going to break it up into sections? If not, are you going to have chapters? So if it's like a um, 17 steps to do something, maybe 17 steps to get abs in six months, something of that sort, then you will obviously break it down into chapters. You know, maybe, there, maybe there'll be 17 step, uh, chapters. Each chapter is a particular step. Or if, there, if you're talking about a framework, and there are three different parts to that framework. Obviously, you would have sections, three sections, and within each section, you will have chapters. So it depends on the type of book you're writing. And based on that, formulate an outline. So once you have that outline, then go and do your dirty draft. Now, when it comes to um, expenses, I, you know, yes, do your draft, then make do a couple of edits yourself. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I highly recommend getting a proofreader. Because no matter what, you are going to skip a couple of typos. You are going to skip, you know, either a, a, a proofreader, a, a editor or a proofreader. So is that the same, is that the same thing, a proofreader and an editor? Um, okay, so a proofreader is someone who just looks at, all right, the typos here, or maybe there's a grammar here or something gotcha. of that sort. Yeah, yeah. But an editor would actually take a deeper look into your, into your manuscript. Restructure the sentence. Correct. And Correct. Yeah, they would okay, restructure gotcha. it if they feel that, hey, this part is a little weak or yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. it doesn't flow. They would point it out. A proofreader gotcha. doesn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily do that. Gotcha. And so, I'm guessing the editor is more expensive. Yes. An editor yep. would be more expensive, um, but it, it's not extremely pricey or anything of that sort. Um, and there are lots of editors you can find. If you go to readz.com, um, there are, you, there are lots of editors kind of, you know, promoting their services and they usually go by, um, per word. So per word, maybe gotcha. yeah. cents or five cents. I, you know, I, yeah, these are the kind of the rates. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you would spend perhaps about 300, uh, for a draft. Um, it, it could be a lot lesser than that, depending on the type of person. You That's pick. for the editor or for the proofreader? Um, this is for like an editor. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, yeah. You see, the, the, the ranges here are huge. Yeah, very yeah, cheap, yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this is really kind of like maybe the middle, in, in middle number of socks. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so let, really let me just on... summarize that. So you'd, you'd write a, a rough draft yourself, right? Correct. Then write the rough draft. Give edit it, it yourself you... before reaching out to um, either a proofreader or an editor. Gotcha. Okay. So that would be your first expense. Yep. Okay. Now the next one is I like to do this concurrently. Second one would be to go and find someone to design your cover for you. Gotcha. So um, Fiverr is one place. If, at, on Fiverr, you can find people who to do it for you for fifty dollars 
yep. or 25. I've seen really awesome covers. You can go to 99 designs as well. Um, so lots of different places. Again, the range for this is huge. You know, you have people doing 10, 15, $20 covers to $1,000 covers. So you don't need to go the other extreme. You can find some kind of a middle ground. Really, it depends on what you want to do. Um, but um, don't, how do I put it? Don't go the the cheap way with the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't do it yourself because it's yeah. something that is the main thing that get, catches people's attention and you want to be able to do that. So that's your second expense. Um, now, beyond that, I would say, the expense really comes in when you launch your book. Um, there are uh, what we call book promotion sites that are out there that would help to share your book with their list. And their list consists of people who love books, who want gotcha. to um, know when there is a new book out. So they would send out, it's kind of like a mass mail. They would send yeah. out um, your book and, and share it with their audience. So, this is where the other expense would come in, where you're spending on certain promotion sites. Um, you could, if you have an existing list, you know, run a very simple Facebook ad, like a um, maybe it's a reach ad or whatever that might be, just to get the name, just to get your book out there. And um, yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, after the way you would get them into your ecosystem and stuff like that, that is your email service provider. You know, that is something you would already have in your business. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really. Sorry, sorry, Jono? No, no, I was just agreeing. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't really count that as like a expense yeah, no. in terms of publishing the book. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. mainly your cover, your proofreader, editor, and then any type of promotion that you 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 spend on. Gotcha. So That's it's good. not free. People think it's free. It's not free. It's mm. free in that, yes, putting it up on Amazon, Amazon does not is not going to charge you for that. But yeah. for, for you to make consistent sales, you do need to spend on these elements. Gotcha. So, okay. So the editor makes sense. The book cut, the um, cover makes sense. The promotion sites, is that compulsory or is that an, uh, no, it's not. To? Yeah. It's just, if you want to, it's, it's not compulsory at all. So any of these elements, it's not compulsory, which is why you see so many different types of covers, um, out there on Amazon and, you know, some are clearly DIY, um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's not at all compulsory and how much you spend is really dependent on your budget. Um, so now I spend a little more than I used to when I started out. So, but either way, I try to really bootstrap and, and, mm. um, keep it the bare minimum because, you know, then anything else apart from that is kind of profit, right? You, 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 yeah. you take it back. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, hey, that's um, some really good info there, Mira. Once again, if anyone's interested in more in, or in, in going down this road, Mira's got a free course on that. I'll put the link in the show notes or it's simply mira.tips slash self-publishing. Uh, there's just one question I always like to finish up with, Mira, and that is who your mentors have been because you're obviously a mentor out there for plenty of people now that want to self-publish, that want to get better at email marketing, want to grow their online business. I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been. Wow. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, the person that actually inspired me to even get started on this path is someone called Jeff Goins. Um, so Jeff Goins, uh, it's G-O-I-N-S. He, his site is 
mainly for writers and authors. And um, that's actually how I got inspired to start blogging and building my audience. So um, I, I, I've, I've always said this and I've asked, been asked this in other podcasts as well. I, I came into this because of him, because he inspired me to do this. So I would say he was my very first mentor. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Mira, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover today. Uh, is there anything I should have asked you but didn't? Or is there anything you want to finish us off with today? Um, well, I would just encourage anyone who wants to go down this, this path. Um, you know, don't fear writer's blog. Don't fear you can't write. Trust me, there are terrible books out there on Amazon. Um, and, and, you know, I think Anyone who's inspired to do this, would I would suggest they at least give it a try because you would be opening yourself up to receiving and getting lots of love from people who are completely out of your email list and um, building your audience in a completely new way as well. So I would say just give it a go. Yes, love it. Awesome. All right, Mira, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Jano. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Course Creator Community Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.